0: Welcome back to 162. On this episode, I'm joined by the king, Drew Bayless. Drew was at Yankee Stadium for the spectacle that went down in the Bronx, so we'll discuss that. Why what the Astros did was so unforgivable, what is going on with the NL East, and more. Here we go. All right, welcome back to 162. I'm your host Adam Vasquez, and tonight I'm joined by our first guest with multiple appearances. They call him the King, Drew Bayless. Welcome back, Drew. Thanks, Adam. Got to uh, got to make sure I'm not
1: overworked. Getting getting some rest in uh, <laughs> in between, but it's uh, great to be, uh, yeah. to be back on with you
0: again. I appreciate it. No problem already setting the standard, making making your case for uh, 162 Hall of Fame. But um, before we dive in, Drew, we always do anniversaries to kick off our shows. Uh, and today's anniversary is a special one. If you had to guess, who is the catcher with the most home runs in history? You probably know this. Man, i
1: I want to say... I want to say Johnny Bench. If it's not him, then I then I don't. But I feel like I've read a lot of coverage about Johnny Bench recently. So he's the first one that comes to mind.
0: It's not Johnny Bench. It's uh, a little more recent than that. So happy anniversary to Mike Piazza, who uh, who in 2004 passed Carl, Carlton Fisk for the most home runs by a catcher, um, hitting his 352nd bomb as a catcher. And he did it in style, smashing a 405 foot oppo taco at shea stadium funny story about about old mikey uh my spanish teacher growing up was the chaplain for the mets and so i got to go to a bunch of like mets games and spring training and all this stuff and mike piazza wouldn't talk to us because we weren't specifically Catholic, like (laughs) it was just like a general chaplain thing. Um, and he was offended by that. So I've never liked him, but, um, congratulations to you, Mike on, uh, on that achievement.
1: Wow. Yeah. Good. Did not, that's a crazy wild, wild story. Did not know that, but good for good for Mike. I know his family had some roots in uh PA too. I know I think he had like a Honda dealership in the area
0: for, uh, in the Philly area for a while. So yeah. So good for, uh, good for Mike. Good for Miguel. Okay. Uh, so we're going to get to the main part of the show here, Yankees Astros. But before we do, I wanted to get your take. I ran a poll this weekend and it was trying to figure out my AL team. Um, I don't know if you voted in it, but cause there was some Yankee, some Yankee nods. So I assumed maybe that was you, but um, there I, I ended up going with the A's and I just wanted to get your take on if my logic was sound, basically went with it with them because Philadelphia roots, um, The 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 the, like Miguel Tejada, Eric Chavez, uh, Barry Zito, all white uniforms hooked me in when I was younger. Um, And then uh, what was the other? What was the third reason? I can't even remember the third reason. But yeah, how how, like in terms of picking AL teams, um, what do you think of that? Yeah, I did give a I did give a vote to the Yankees. I figured (laughs) they probably weren't gonna
1: weren't gonna get it, but I think the A's are. I think the A's are always a. I think the A's are always a good choice, with the caveat that I think you're you're setting yourself up for some disappointment in <laughs> October. I was on a podcast. So um, I was on a podcast a month ago where we were going over season predictions, and I basically. And they basically said, I don't have the A's in the playoffs because I'm tired oh, of no. just their brand of, you know, that they're in the wild card game every year. They lose right. the wild card game and the twins are kind of the same way, actually. But at this For point, sure. I'm like, give somebody else a chance. You're not gonna do anything when you get in the playoffs. So just like like just like leave and give somebody else um and give somebody else a shot. But um yeah. but I think they are uh look, they're playing well. I think they're a fun team. I like a lot of the guys on that team individually um lariano um kana
0: um, uh, Loriano's a mate i mean so much fun to watch he's unbelievable
1: so so yeah i think um you know you can have um you can have a lot of fun rooting for them and maybe you'll be the kind of charm that changes it i just wouldn't have i just well, wouldn't have high expectations in the uh, in the al wild card
0: game knowing my rooting interest as well as you do uh me being the charm is pretty low low uh probability but um but yeah we'll hope we'll hope for the best i mean i will say that's part of what drew me to them i guess and that uh, i i guess i like the pain i wanted i honestly wanted to pick the yankees like i think i even said that in the uh because just because i i like the yankees anyway um which is which is unusual for a philly guy but uh yeah, I just had to, you know, try to mix it up a little bit, do something different. So, we'll see where it goes. They are 3 and 0 since since that. So, I'm I'm at least leaning into that, you know, for the time being. Yeah, they've really had a wild kind of season
1: just in terms of the awful start, then the what what was it was 13 game yep. winning streak. You can you
0: can root for former Philly great Cole Irvin out there uh, out there too. Deal with that, do it. All right, but let's get to the main main story here, which is uh they're playing right now game 2 and um last night we had game one you were at the game of yankees astros the revenge game for the revenge series really for the yankees um for for those of the listeners who maybe you know stopped paying attention to baseball for two years or 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 longer um set the stage for us of why this is such an important series and, and what's going on here
1: yeah i think this had really been a a long time coming i think one uh series that Yankees fans and I think really all of baseball kind of had circled going into the 2020 season pre-pandemic and then when the schedule you know obviously when that you know all that upheaval had circled again um now the uh the Astros had ended the Yankees season actually three different times 2015 in the wild card game 2017 in the ALCS and then 2019 again in the ALCS and at first, mm, okay. when it was hap- and at first, when it was happening, the Astros to a lot of people were kind of like a like likable team. Like I remember actually oh, yeah. the twenty seventeen World Series before we knew anything, like being happy for them, pulling for them against the Dodgers a little bit, and then and then all the the sign stealing um, accusations come out. There was I feel like a weak stretch in like january february 2020 where baseball just like lost its mind i mean it was <laughs> something it was something new every day and i think technically with you know rob manfred's report they were found to the the findings only show that they cheated in 2017 the year they won the world series but i think john Carlos Stanton said it well and i think it's kind of what everyone's thinking well like if you did it that year and you didn't get caught like it's very likely you didn't stop doing it, even if right. you weren't caught in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. And personally for personally for me, I, you know, since living in New York, I've come to have like a soft spot for the Yankees, um, a little bit, despite the Phillies being my um, you know, number one team. And I really loved that 2019 um, Yankees team. And I thought, you know, they were uh they were a really good team i thought you know they could have i think they beat washington if they make it to the world series so i think um i think 2017 was in uh, was on the mind of a lot of people i think 2019 was on the mind of a lot of people and it was it was just a night for i think fans to express themselves to you know (laughs) make their make their voices heard and it was it was
0: awesome yeah you were sending me videos and and our uh, fantasy chat videos throughout the night. And, um, and you said it, I think at one point in there, but it looked like, and sounded like a game in late September, October more than it did, uh, a a May game late early May game. Yeah,
1: look, it would be, I was thinking about today, I guess. And it would be presumptuous of me to say it felt like a playoff game because I've never actually been to an MLB playoff game. It's the one sport I haven't been to a playoff game at. And I'm going to, and I'm going to change that very soon, Uh, whether it's the Phillies, whether it's the Yankees, I need to change that. But yeah, I mean, it felt what I imagined October feels like. I mean, even outside of the stadium, just waiting to get into the gates, um, you know, you had the chance starting already. I actually, when I got home, rewatched like an inning or two on the uh, Yankees Yes broadcast just because I wanted to see, um, you know, how it sounded there. And like, I cannot imagine the FCC what happened last night
0: <laughs> the tweets were incredible about that just just uh you know those people running around pulling out their hair trying to figure out how to filter that for for tv <laughs> that was hilarious yeah well i mean even if you haven't been you've been to enough playoff sports to where you know what that feels like and so even my question was everyone kept comparing it to playoffs obviously it was still a limited crowd right so but it but did it was it the volume or just the intensity that that gave it that air of uh, something more important than a regular season matchup? Yeah,
1: I think it really was the intensity. It was definitely loud. I've heard stadiums that when they are full capacity are much louder, but for right. for ten thousand, it was it was pretty loud. And I mean, really, they were just they were just on it the really the entire night. Like the chance really didn't stop even when the Astros weren't batting, even when they were in the field. At the, um, at the, it was the fifth inning, Altuve grounded out to end the inning. Mm. And, and, and look, I think this happens – I don't think this is, like, crazy, crazy uncommon, but he didn't even go back to the dugout, kind of do that, like, walk of shame where people are, you know, yelling at you as you're walking into the dugout. Like, he just stayed out on the field. And Correa ended up bringing him his glove and his hat, and there's a moment where just, like, he's the only one standing on the field, and people are just, you know, booing and doing the and doing the FL Tuve chants, and, yeah, the Bregman error later in the game. And, yeah, right. it was – It it was awesome.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's get to some of that because I I have questions about the Correa Altuve thing. But first, uh, to to sort of recap it, it starts off, Altuve is getting crushed from the the jump. I mean, the whole stadium, it sounded like, was was killing him. And then in the first, I believe, Bregman hits a moonshot. That was the first inning, right?
1: Yup, hit a uh, hit a deep home run off uh, off Domingo Herman, and right. it could that it could have taken. He was pretty fired up in the dugout. It could have taken the crowd out of the game, and then Stanin answers right away off Granky, yeah. and you know it's a uh, it's a madhouse again.
0: Yeah, it was a great moment. Just as a fan of baseball, I'm not a Bregman fan personally, but it it. You, you need the villains to show up as the villains, you know, to be able to, it's like, it's like um, Tio uh, coming back in the, in the Cowboys jersey. Like you need them to be hateable. So I was kind of glad he hit that home run and, and kept it interesting, but then the Yankees uh, end up coming back, taking control and, and winning the game. Um, I guess one of my questions is why do you think it is? I, I get the MVP thing, but it seems to me being, pretty separated from it, that Correa is the more hateable individual in the whole scenario, but it seems like most of the attention goes to Altuve. Uh, What what was your take about that being in the stadium there?
1: Yeah, Altuve is definitely seen as kind of the poster um, boy from a Yankee perspective. He got the brunt of the individual chance. The boos were definitely the loudest for him. I think it's, I think it's two-part. I think it is the 2017 AL MVP vote that was super close between him and Judge. And then also just the way 2019 ended with the, Mm. with the walk-off over, over Chapman. And just from what I know about, just from what I know about their personalities um, and all, I think Correa has been very outspoken where I feel like he likes the attention and maybe Mm -hmm. it doesn't get to him as much, but, but it really seems like it does kind of bother Altuve a little bit. I think we saw, um, you know, even last year, you didn't have the fans, but just, it seemed like just the like kind of stress of it was wearing on him where he had a terrible regular season. I think even in the field had like a kind of the yips um, for a a week or two. So he's definitely, He's definitely the poster um, child. And I feel like it'll, I feel like it'll stay that way too, especially if Correa signed somewhere else, see what happens in the future with, um, with him, but he was definitely public enemy. Number one, for sure.
0: Yeah. It's like sort of like a blood in the water type of thing. They can sense that, that it actually matters to Altuve. So, um, so pour it on uh, versus maybe Correa being able to deflect some of that. Speaking of his free agency, I mean the Yankee fans are clamoring for a shortstop. What would happen if Correa goes and signs in New York?
1: Oh man. I mean, there's been there's been weirder things. I'm trying to I'm trying to think recently. I guess um what you had you had Ellsbury come over from the Red Sox yeah. after winning a World Series, right? You they had, had um, like pseudo signed with the Red Sox for a second. Yeah. It's a great one. You had you had jo- you had Johnny Damon. Um, yeah. I I feel like look. I, I know I know business is business, and if somebody gives you like the money, you go. So this could age very poorly. But I feel like that's one where like the sides just like avoid each other like like the plague a little bit. Like I just yeah. feel like there might be just like too much bad
0: blood there for that to. Um, for that to be a thing yeah it would be interesting I don't know if I haven't seen much from Correa's side to, to talk about it but I have seen just some people speculate like the Yankees need, you know although I think that's a little overblown how much the Yankees need a shortstop but um people talk, like to talk about it and and his free agency pending he is earning himself some money uh you know and, and the Yankees usually can open up the the bank account so it'd be interesting what about just in general is this just a rivalry now? Like, is this just a, an on, it's not just about the cheating thing now. Like, is this obviously Red Sox Yankees is always one, um, but is this just a new rival for the Yankees in your opinion, moving forward?
1: I think so. My big thing, and I know we're, I know we're going to do a hot take um section. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. want to save a little bit. I want to save a little bit for that, but like okay. this, this, this isn't going away anytime, anytime soon, no matter how much like, no matter how much like the Astros or like people around the Astros like want it to go away, like this isn't this isn't dying out. Now, now I think the key for the rivalry and one the thing that I one thing that I think makes this a little tougher than say Yankees Red Sox is they come in once a year as opposed to the right. Red Sox who come in three or four times a year. So for it to really be a rivalry, both teams have to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, really. And I, when I did my preseason predictions, I had a meeting up in the ALDS, which will be oh. wild if it happens. I would just be must. and would just be must watch TV. So, look, it, in my opinion, it's a rivalry, but I think it's really contingent on both teams staying competitive. Because if, if say the Astros like nosedive and they're only winning, you know, like seventy five games a year, or the Yankees too, like then it goes down like when the when the Yankees and Red Sox both in kind of like the mid 2010s have like a bit of a down period for their standards like the rivalry wasn't as intense so so we're so and I, I think both teams will stay competitive and I think and I think it will be but that's kind of the, the major factor there
0: yeah it's interesting because uh to your point they need to stay competitive, and then there's already been a lot of turnover on the roster, and even more to come. I mean, the main guys are still there: Altuve, Correa, uh, Bregman. But um, there's a really strong chance Correa is not there in the next season. I don't know what I don't even know what Altuve, and I think Bregman's there for a while. But you wonder how that changes things um, when when some of those guys move on to different spots. How how Yankees uh, fans view it. Yeah,
1: my gut says Bregman will be the final one standing from that team just based on the contract, but it is kind of funny you mention that when a guy like Kyle Tucker, who's young, who wasn't a part of those teams, came up. Um, to bat a couple times last night and my section wasn't doing this so I didn't like participate in this one too much but there were a couple sections for fun chanting like we don't know you oh, which, I didn't I hear that. Was, which I thought was just really kind of fun <laughs> and creative a little bit and you like you look at him and you look at a guy like Miles Straw who's kind of like you know like flies like super under the radar like an eight halt hitter who wasn't on those like teams um, who wasn't on those teams at all but I do think there's I do think there's an element, no matter what, of like of like the Astros brand right now where, look, they're going to hear it the loudest in Yankee Stadium. But even if they go on the road somewhere and say, you know, the all three of those guys have a day off, they're still going to get booed.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's just part of that brand now. Um, And it's it's a lot in some ways like the Yankee brand in the sense that it, it's so divisive, so polarizing, regardless of uh, of kind of who's in the uniform that day. Um, OK, well, flipping for a minute, I, I do want to get to those takes um, <laughs> because I know you have some prepared. I don't know what they are, but I'm excited about them uh, despite that. But so going to our, our you know, our main uh, focus, I guess, as fans, which is. The NL East, I just wanted to get a couple of your thoughts on what's going on over there. I mean, the Phillies right now are the leaders through a, a whole month with a 500 record. Uh, the Mets have fired their hitting coach and are 11 and 12, and the Braves just lost their starting catcher and are 13 and 16. Uh, you know, what do you see out of the NL East? Are you surprised at all? I mean, are you are you concerned about any of the uh, preseason thoughts you had? And, and where do they go from here?
1: Yeah, it's funny. So every morning, part of my like routine I do with just reading box scores and sweeping fantasy teams, I look at the standings. And the thing that jumped out to me today, just kind of a crazy factoid, is every team... In the division has a negative run differential, which I like mm-hmm. as a stat a lot because I think it can be indicative of future performance, except for the Marlins who have a positive run differential. I think they're maybe like plus 10 or so, but the Marlins are in last place. So, oh, it's, wow. just, so it's just, That's just crazy. Very, so it's just very symbolic of the of the division um mm-hmm. right now. I still to me, the first real kind of like gut check where you start like remotely taking the standing seriously is Memorial Day. So I think we still have a couple weeks for things to normalize um, a little bit. I still think in the end, I'd be confident, say in the division winner, I think it's going to win at least 90 games. I think all the teams are are going to be in the mix. Um, yeah, my uh, my preseason prediction was that the Mets win it with ninety-two and I do I do still like them in part because like there's no way Lindor can be this bad like the whole (laughs) season, right? Like they're playing five hundred ball where they probably have like a negative war player right now. They have uh they have Carrasco um coming back. I know DeGrom had a bit of I think of a scare with uh with, with the arm but seems um but seems okay. So I still I still like the Mets, but I think it's yeah it's it's. I did not expect so much kind
0: of parody mm-hmm. early on. I thought somebody would be over 500, certainly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a fair assumption to make, I think. I, I My concern as a Phillies fan is that 90 win. I think you're right. I mean, I think somebody will catch fire and win 90 games. I don't see how the Phillies roster does that uh, when they're, you know, there is no Cookie Carrasco coming that that we know of. Um, there is no player who's woefully underperforming their history like Lindor. Um, and there's no like clear, there's no Mike Soroka coming back. So the Phillies kind of just feel like maybe this is who they are a little bit barring some, some big midseason move where I think the other teams have space to make up. Uh, I, I picked the Braves preseason. I still think, you know, if you go back to 2019, the Braves basically did the same rope-a-dope uh thing they i think they were they didn't take first place until sometime in june mid to early to mid-june so um i i could see them getting hot at some point and doing doing another round of that but I just was curious it's it's a, a, a division that i thought was going to be the best division in the nl and uh, uh well no that's not true i thought the west would be i thought it would be a very competitive division now i think there'll be one playoff team uh and so it's just you know flipped pretty quickly um, yeah I do I do think
1: it's a great point by you what you said about kind of some like the reinforcements come in I was thinking about that too like I know you think about the Phillies and I guess I Segura was playing well so getting him yeah, back yeah. will help and like Archie Bradley could help but if you think about the other teams like the Mets have the Mets have a Carrasco coming the Nationals have a Soto and maybe a Strasburg um, at some point the Marlins have Starling Marte and maybe a former Philly prospect, Sixto Sanchez, if he gets cleared to pitch at some point. And then you have Soroka with the Braves. So it kind of felt like this was an opportunity where it seemed like the Phillies had a chance to like front run a little bit to kind of build a bit of a, a bit of a cushion. And they, they started off well in the first week, but otherwise really haven't really haven't done that. So yeah, I, I think if you were to rank the teams in terms of like, who has the best reinforcements coming? They're kind of at the bottom of that of that of that list for for sure, which I think is going to, which I think is definitely a concern for them.
0: Yeah, it just feels like, uh, you know that it, it might be just another situation where they just they kind of run out of gas um uh, too early. Um, one one last question, just on the Phillies, since I have you, what's your opinion of their their handling of Spencer Howard. I I don't understand from an outsider's point of view, like I guess they were starting him off, trying to see if he could get him some work in the pen. Now they're stretching him out. Uh, It it was clear that the four and five slots in the rotation were going to be a struggle from the jump. Have you read anything or heard anything about what their plan was or why they're going about it this way?
1: I remember coming out of spring training Dombrowski said he wanted to limit I think the overall innings Howard threw um this season but to me I kind of always thought that was just a little flawed I remember I think it was two weeks ago it was a Sunday game in Colorado I think Chase Anderson who I think actually pitched like an okay-ish game tonight just, just got crushed yeah. that day I think was out of the game in like the third inning and I just remember tweeting, I'm like, this makes no sense. Like you really have kind of slop with your number four and number five starters. Um and you're just wasting somebody with Spencer Howard who, Mm -hmm. you know, has actual potential. I think he was pitching in a game that was like nine to three Colorado. And it's like if the innings are limited to begin with, why are you using him in a situation like that? Like that just doesn't make any sense like that's a time where you throw I don't know that's David that's Hale. a time where David Hale pitches yes. and, and and just, and just hear here David you know eat five innings and save my and save my bullpen give up so 14 it, runs yeah so it's it's see basically like I think you called him a human like white flag like it's basically <laughs> yeah. what he's basically what he's been um so yeah it seems now like they might be trying to get Howard um stretched out a little bit but Yeah, I'm sure there's some research that supports this, which is why they did it. Like, I know you think about what maybe the Dodgers did with um, Urias a couple years ago, and there's Mm -hmm. some other, like, young arms who teams have tried this with. But I think when when you're a team like the Phillies and Matt Moore and Chase Anderson are just destroying your bullpen every two out of five days, you know, you might as well give the ball to a guy like Howard who at least has some potential where you can learn stuff. And if he only throws four or five innings, they're probably going to be better innings than what Moran and Anderson d- did would do. And if they're not, at least, you know, you're he's getting reps and you're, and you're learning. And all. So I, I hope we're going to see Howard in the starters role um, at some point, but their, yeah. their plan definitely did not kind of pass the, just like the eye and the smell test there for certain.
0: Yeah, I saw today. I think he was—he's—he's he's getting stretched out in Lehigh or whatever. So <laughs> seems like they're headed that way. But I mean, the fact that Vinny Velo is—is seems like a breath of fresh air uh, in that fifth spot means you're in a bad position organizationally. So hopefully that's something.
1: And look, we don't know that Howard's going to be good. He was had a rough time when he came up uh, last year. I do think the shortened season impacted a lot of young pitchers, where it was just hard to get into. A groove. Um, But we know that Moore and Anderson aren't going to be very good. So you might as well find out what you have in Howard.
0: Totally agree. All right. So I've been excited for this uh, since since you texted me and you said you had some bullets in the chamber here, but uh, moving into three strikes and then we're out. How many how many of these takes do you have? I I can, I'll keep it to,
1: I'll keep it to three. I'm a, I'm a rule follower. So I'll, uh, I'll
0: make sure I keep it to three. All right. Start us
1: off. Unless you, unless you want one. I'm happy to, I'm happy you're you're the host. I'm happy to give you one if you want
0: one. I don't, I have some that I don't feel much for conviction on, uh, to fill time. So I'd rather you, uh, I'd rather you hit us.
1: Okay. Um, I think take number one and I'm kind of happy about, This, the idea that the Dodgers were ever gonna win, I think their over-under total was 103 and a half. The idea that they were ever going to exceed that is just ridiculous to me. And I think you're seeing it now. So, like to the people who bet uh, you know, that that over, like, best of luck, but I really don't have (laughs) a lot of sympathy for you because there was just no value in that bet to me. Like, all the Dodgers care about is winning is probably winning the division and just being healthy for October. I look today, I think there's been from 2010 to 2019, 10 seasons. I think there's been like three times total a team has won 104 games. So that was never going to happen in my mind. And if you bet money on it, like you, you threw away whatever you, you threw away whatever you bet. So that's my,
0: so that's my first take. That's a good point. Especially when you, when you factor in, of the weird season that they had, they played the longest season of any of the teams um, last year. And it was, it was already a kind of a delayed ending to that season. Anyway, I I thought they had a chance because it was the team they had last year. And then they added Trevor Bauer and that felt like, you know, uh, some locked up wins, but you know, now you see Dustin may goes down all of a sudden they're scrambling somehow. It seems like for, for that fifth um, spot. So yeah, no, I think in terms of, uh, over under you 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 called that one from the start. All right, keep keep us rolling.
1: All right. Uh my take, uh, take number two here. Do not worry about the White Sox. I know Eloy's hurt. Mm-hmm. I know Luis uh, Robert is down now. Might have some panic on the south side. They are gonna be fine. I really like this team. Their pitching is awesome. Giolito is gonna pick it up. Carlos Rodon has been awesome. You have Dallas Keuchel, who's very serviceable. Even an arm like Cease got a great closer in Liam Hendricks. They play in a pretty bad division. You get to play the Tigers, who seem like the worst team in baseball, um, eighteen times. Uh, you have the Twins, who are struggling. I think the Royals are fun, but I think they're overachieving a little bit um, for as much for as much criticism as he's gotten. Tony La Russa has done this before. I think he's going to figure things out um, a little bit. So I would not worry about the White Sox. You guys still have guys in the lineup like Anderson, like Mancada, like Jose Abreu. I think that team will be in October. And if they can get Eloy and Robert back in the lineup by then, they'll be a dangerous team in October. And I'm looking forward to watching them in October because
0: they're a lot of fun. Do not worry about the White Sox. Okay, a couple things here. Number one, screw Jose Abreu. He got me uh, all excited, kicked off our fantasy, my fantasy team in our league that we're in together, very hot. And since he has been slumping. He's horrible. I mean, I, and, and so am I now like, all right, my roster goes as Abreu goes, apparently i I think I've lost three in a row, which is brutal. Uh, after I thought, I thought I had a lineup there, but, um, a couple other questions or not one question, one point, I guess one, one question would be, there's a lot of, you touched on this for a second there, but there's a lot of like bubbling on Twitter, et cetera, about firing La Russa. And I get that. He's, he's done some weird things <laughs> this year, but I don't understand that, and I don't understand where White Sox fans think they're going to get a, a, a manager capable of taking them deep into the postseason right now. Um, have you seen any of that?
1: I did. Uh, I did see that. I think. Uh, I think Jared Carabas uh, uh, had a tweet about that today, and Jared's obviously super knowledgeable about baseball. It's not a knock yeah, yeah. on. It's not a knock on Jared um, at all. If he listens to if he listens to the pod, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I. Um, Look, I was surprised when Renaria was fired last year. I didn't I didn't think he necessarily did anything to lose the job, but mm-hmm. La Russa has this track record of um, success whether or not we like him as a person and he's obviously done a lot of things that, you know, we don't we don't like outside right. of outside of the game, but you look at you look at the 2011 Cardinals which breaks my heart With the Phillies, he got that team to the playoffs and managed them through the playoffs to the World Series where, yeah, he it seems like he's always been kind of Jerry Reinsdorf's white whale. It seems like for um, for the White Sox, where I um, I don't see anything like that happening. And I think if you look up at the if you look up at the standings, I think they're kind of right where people would expect them to be win-loss wise, especially if you factor in that you weren't gonna have your best hitter in mm. Eloy. So yeah, I think the I think the beauty of a hundred sixty two game season is a lot of this stuff is gonna normalize. And I think that's where having an experienced manager like LaRusa can help. And you circle it back to the Phillies. And I think for as much criticism as he's got in the early going, I think that's where having a guy like Girardi can Help too. It doesn't mean I think the Phillies are going to make the playoffs, but I think they're less likely to nosedive than they did under Capler um, for a couple years. So, yeah, I think that's just kind of Twitter being Twitter and having opinions um, and all. But I don't really yeah. see any legs to that. Yeah,
0: you're, you're right. It was Jared. I was trying to think of where I saw that. I didn't know if it was more widespread than him, but. Uh... Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, when you think of the Cardinal way and everything that that represents, like Tony LaRusso was at the core of that for so long. uh, And so obviously knows how to how to set those. And that's the kind of the thing the Sox have been missed. The White Sox have been missing. They've had talented rosters, um, but they haven't had that driving force. Uh, to bring it all together, uh, and to your point earlier in the in the conversation on run differential being an important statistic, they have the second highest in the league. The Dodgers have a plus thirty eight. The White Sox right behind them at a plus thirty seven, uh, and then the next closest is all the way down at plus thirty one. So um, they're definitely playing good baseball, even if it doesn't always show up. And that 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 will prove out over one sixty two. All right, bring us home here.
1: All right, final take. We're gonna bring it back to yankees astros and i might get a i might get a little fired up here i'll try to i'll try to keep it uh keep it reined in no, a little be. bit but uh look dusty baker he seems like a super nice guy he's had a great career i saw some like quotes coming out of last night's game and even before like you know i think they're being a little rough on altuve like i wish everyone would just would just move on a little bit like like dusty like it's not it's not gonna happen like what the What the Astros did changed like a lot of people's careers and a lot of trajectories. If the Dodgers don't win last year, Clayton Kershaw still has the narrative of being an October choke artist because of 2017. It messed up you, Darvish, for like a year and a half before he got back on track. You've had pitchers during the sign-stealing, like young pitchers. who might have gotten called up to make a start against the Astros who got lit up, sent down, And maybe never came, and maybe barely got another, barely got another shot again. So like, this isn't this isn't going away. And I even saw I saw tweets from like Astros Twitter even around like spring training when they were getting booed, where it's like where it's like oh like like look look like, like I don't really think this is appropriate right now during like the pandemic. It's like no, like you don't get to play that card. Like we can walk and chew gum at the at at the same time. They're not mutually. They're not mutually exclusive things. And what the what the Astros, like what, what they did, what they did will be remembered for a long time. In my opinion, like 50 years from now, like they will be a trivia question of like this team won the 2017 World Series, but people don't acknowledge it because of the cheating scandal. And that's what they will be, and that's what they will be known for. So like, yeah, like 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 Dusty, like it's not like I feel bad. I I try to empathize with you because you weren't a part of this and you seem like, and you seem like a good guy and he was like a good choice to be the manager of that team in terms of giving them, you know, kind of like a likable face a little bit, but it's not going, it's not going away. It's just, it's just not what they did impacted so much in the game. And it's going to be a long, long time before I feel like anybody really, really forgets it or, uh, or lets it go. Uh
0: totally agree. I, I agree with your point on Dusty being a good guy to, to take, be the face now, but uh, when you consider what happened and then you consider how ML- the MLB borderline enabled it in the sense that none of these guys got any, susp- I mean, Amir Garrett just got suspended seven games for talking too loudly at the Cubs bench. Uh, and, and then these guys openly, you know, pretty openly cheated their way to a world series. And, and uh, this has been discussed t- plenty of times elsewhere, but I just, that, that is, um, unforgivable in a way that fans are not going to be able to, you know, accept the fact that these guys are quote unquote, getting away with it. You know, there, there, it's never going to be something that people, um, feel good about or, or, you know, in any way, except, uh, because of what the MLB has done. I, I think, they're second to the Astros players themselves. Even the guys that did get actually punished, like AJ Hinch is back in a great spot, uh, doing managing in Detroit. I mean, I guess Jeff lunao hasn't, uh, gotten a job, but everybody else really associated and Beltron, uh, everybody else associated with, it back is, with the red sock. Yeah. Core's back. All the players are, are playing or playing elsewhere. So it's, it just feels like they completely got away with something and fans don't forget that type of stuff. So um, totally, totally agree with you. I think it's going to continue for as long. I will. I, I wonder how it lasts past the players, the current players, but I think as long as those guys are involved, it'd be like, you know, if um, the same questions that bonds got at the end of his career, if that happened way earlier, uh, it would, it, it would be a similar thing. So, um, totally agree with you. Drew, thanks for coming on. Oh, go ahead. Uh,
1: no, I think, uh, I think what will prolong it in a fun way too, is I, I think Altuve and guys like Altuve and Bregman, I think based on their contracts will be there for a while longer. And let's say, I'm trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of a team that needs a short stuff. Let's say Carlos Correa hypothetically signs with, the with you know the angels if they play a road game in chicago in baltimore in in insert location here next year like he will get he will get booed i think it will carry with the individual i think it will carry with the individual players um too and i think as long as you know as long as fans aren't doing anything dangerous um they verbally can you know express themselves however they want And it's kind of it's kind of fun to tune into the games and uh, and see it and all. And I'm looking forward to it. We got another great Yankees Astros game tonight and I'm looking forward. We got another one tomorrow and maybe they'll uh, meet in the playoffs and we'll uh, have some fun.
0: As Jonah Hill famously said, people don't forget. People don't forget. Uh, Drew, thanks so much for coming on. Always enjoy it definitely we'll have to keep your record of the, uh, the most appearances by, I guess, uh, uh, going here in a little while, but, um, enjoy the conversation and, uh, thanks for, thanks for joining us. You got it. Appreciate it, Adam. Take care.